Carey from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. You are listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have Christian Sanchez, who is, first of all, the first dude that I'm going to have on the podcast. And it is fitting because his wife, Sarah Romanowski, was my first guest ever. He is one half of Team Romanches, as we like to call them. And uh, yeah, he's our first aerial dad. He's got a lot to talk about. I'm going to ask him about his injury. He injured his Achilles tendon years ago and had to go through a process of healing to get back to being an acrobat and an aerialist. He was on tour with Tarouk. I was lucky enough to see that show when he was on the road, when he came to LA, and I got to see him in action there. And before and after the pandemic, he's been on Cirque du Soleil's MJ1 in Las Vegas. Him and Sarah are based in Las Vegas, and they just had their beautiful baby girl um, last year. So, so excited to have Christian. Let's get started. You guys are sleeping pretty good over there, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Um, we ended up sleep training her. I guess they, the recommended time for sleep training, according to our pediatrician, was uh, like five, six months. So we started about that, about that mark, five, six months. And, um, ever since we, well, we, we did the sleep training with her, she's been solid. It's been 10 hours. Uh, I think the most she's, yeah, I think the most she's gone is about 11 hours, but now it's consistently 10 hours every night. So it's great for us. Cause oh my God. I mean, she yeah. goes to sleep like now, like, like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And then she wakes up for a feed five thirty, six in the morning. You know what I mean? So it's great for us. Because we're actually getting sleep. I definitely, we definitely didn't do that. Both of us didn't have the stomach for it. Yeah. I wonder if we should try now. You know. Yeah, I mean, it was. We, we struggled. It was definitely difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's not something that, you know, we were both able to just put her in the room and let her cry. And it, it was like nothing. It, like, it was definitely uh, difficult for both of us. I think mostly for me than for Sarah. Because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a softie when it comes to, to Z. So... Uh, it was tough at first, like the first two or three days, I think were the hardest on me. Oh yeah. Um, and even now she'll randomly like, you know, fuss here and there, she'll cry, whatever, but it's nothing like it was before. Right. Um, and I'm definitely grateful for that. So Asa wouldn't even, Yeah. if, if you can believe it, he might be more, more of that teddy bear than you. I don't, I don't know because when, when we first started doing the sleep training, like I think the two or the two or three days into the sleep training, I, I think I pretty much teared up or cried every single day. Oh, man. Just hearing her cry. You know what I mean? Because it's like you hear your child in the next room. She, you know, you, all these things start to run through your head. It's like, oh, my, my parents abandoned me and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't like that. It's just like we just for health wise, like, you know, for her development, we really wanted to get her on a good schedule. And it was it was extremely difficult, but I'm, I'm definitely glad we did that. Yeah, let's go. Let's go into the baby stuff. I feel like I've talked to so many women Tell me what it is like to be the person who is not growing the child during that nine months. Because I guess I don't ask this people of people very often, but it's so interesting. Like, is there a sense of like, you can't, you're not in control. Is there a sense of like, what, what is that feeling? What was it like for you? Honestly, it, it wasn't, I mean, I guess it's hard to say because, um, we, I mean, this was obviously something that we had both planned on doing. So when it came to 
when it came to life, essentially with, you know, us finding out that Sarah was pregnant, um, it was kind of like mixed emotions because it was like right when the pandemic hit. And so we were like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, okay, well, this is, okay, so this is going to happen then. We're, we're going to have a baby. Like, you know, all these things kind of start to run through your, run through your head and you, I don't want to say get stressed out because I don't, I don't feel like we got stressed out or anything like that. But I think once uh, it came to reality, we realized we're like, okay, this is, this is great news. Like we're, we're happy about this. This is what we, you know, we've wanted a child for a while and, uh, and we've been trying. So luckily enough, we were able to get pregnant on one of the first few times for me, for me, honestly, emotionally, I felt actually pretty good just because I think we were both in a good place in terms of both being at home and me being there to support her uh, with anything that. Yeah. It's not like one person was on the road, which would have been really hard. Right. Which is kind of what it was before. You know, we, we both been traveling so much. So the fact that we were both able to be home at the same time and me able to support uh, her emotionally as well as physically, um, I think it played a big part as well. Cause I mean, I know everyone has their own different situation, but I think both in the same setting, uh, really set us up for, for, I think, a great pregnancy for her. I watched you both. You know, you guys are both a part of Cirque du Soleil, and, you know, they laid off every single person, like, right after. So both of those happening at the same time. But I have to say, you guys you guys are really good at handling stress. I mean, I'm, I don't feel like I'm the kind of person that stresses very easily with uh, things like that, especially with, like, with work. I don't know why, for whatever reason... I didn't know how long the pause was going to be, but I knew that for whatever reason, when we did come back, like we were going to be good. We're going to be solid just because entertainment is such a big part. It's just such a big industry in general that especially in Las Vegas, where it's very, very heavily tourist driven. And that's basically how we make our money. But I knew because of how heavy the tourists come to to Las Vegas, I knew that everything was going to be fine and that show was going to be coming back. Watching you guys who are both freelancers, I really feel like you guys have figured out the way to just emotionally handle the ups and downs of our industry because, and also taking opportunities and being willing to move and this and that when, you know, pre-baby. Let me go back to kind of how I I started to get to know you because I've been friends with Sarah Sarah for many years. And uh, you guys were colleagues on a show called Cirque de la Mer over at SeaWorld in San Diego. And uh, that's how you guys met. Can I can I hear the uh, Edward Cullen version, not the <laughs> not the Bella version? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like Twilight. You know how it's all from her perspective. Oh, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like how the whole book is written from her perspective, and I know Sarah's perspective. Right. And I don't know from your side. So let's. I want to hear it. Well, like I mean, you saw her, and you were like, "Whoa." Well, it's it's <laughs> it's funny because like she likes to call it a, a showman's. A showman's, okay. A showman's, yeah. So honestly, so the first time I saw her, um, I just remember this uh, this tall, kind of like me, like tall, lanky, but like super buff um, aerialist that came in, and this was when I went through my phase of having my long hair. So, I, you know, I had I had I had a look. And I think when I first showed up to work, I had my hair in cornrows just because I wanted to keep it somewhat neat. Okay. So that the when I got there, they weren't like, okay, we, you know, we can't have you perform with this hair. You have to cut it all off, whatever. It wasn't until like the middle of the summer, I think probably about the end of June. And uh, that's when we, I kind of really started to talk to her. And I remember I wanted to do a dance of, because this is when I was hev- heavily into dance. And I was um, 
still doing both acrobatics. You're doing hip hop, yeah, right? Hip hop break dancing and yeah. still obviously doing acrobatics as well. And so I was like, oh, she's a dancer. Really wanted to create just a bunch of different um, concept pieces uh, for dance, for like hip hop or like lyrical hip hip hop. Oh, nice. And she was like, oh yeah, sure. I think that'd be fun. Like let's, let's get together and try to, and try to come up with some stuff, which ended up towards the, we just basically ended up trashing it just because it was like, we ended up becoming, uh, <laughs> I guess we ended up becoming a thing towards the end of the summer. And so, yeah, it basically just, we kind of just threw it away and it was, it was mostly just to kind of get us together. And she says that, oh, you, you really were just, just, uh, trying to come up with this quote unquote concept piece so you can talk to me. I was like, mm, I, well, yes and no. Cause I did want to do a concept piece, but I also didn't want to talk to you as well. Like I wanted to, I just wanted to get to know her, you know? I mean, we talked till two, three in the morning and it was great. And then after that, basically I was like, okay, this, this person is pretty awesome. I, I, I basically want to talk mm-hmm. to her all day, every day. And, uh, and then from there, it kind of just started progressing into, you know, us actually being into each other. And then, um, <clears throat> towards the end of the summer, um, I think I was supposed to do a contract. I was supposed to do a contract in Florida. I was supposed to go on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I don't remember exactly. I think it was about a week into the uh, cruise ship contract. And then that's when I ended up getting injured. And then I left the, the uh, cruise ship uh, shortly after that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but your Achilles popped off. Yeah, of well, the doctor said it was 99, 99% um, ruptured. He said it was basically holding on by a thread. Ugh. And so essentially it was, yeah, it was a, a full rupture. Okay, so what does that feel like um, exactly? I don't know what that feels like. Well, I've heard people describe it as a gunshot to their leg, but for me it wasn't. It was more like a burning sensation. Okay. And and obviously in, in my Achilles. But I kind of had a two-for-one special because I ruptured my Achilles and I fractured my ankle at the same time. Oh, I don't know if I remember that. And it was one of those things that at that point I was just doing training so much and doing so much acrobatics at that point in my career. And it was a, it was on a, tra- it was on trampoline. And so immediately as I was doing the skill in the air, I knew right away, I was like, okay, this is not good. I'm going to have a bad landing. And then as soon as I hit the trampoline, that's when I, that's when it, it popped. I felt a burning sensation. I rolled over, I grabbed my ankle and then, you know, I started shouting obscenities and all kinds of stuff because because I, I was so angry. Like I was just, you know, because this was a contract that I've been wanting to do for years. And how long was the contract? Uh, the contract was supposed to be nine months or 10 months, I think. But then they were going to extend it to yeah, a year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you're basically out of a exactly. year of work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you hear a sound? Um, I believe I did hear something. I believe I did hear some kind of pop. The injury itself happened when you went for the bounce... Or did it happen when you landed? It happened when I landed. I was doing a front flip, an inward front flip. As base, um, so you just knew it wasn't a good jump. Like you were like, okay, this is not going to go well. One hundred percent. Once I took off the trampoline, okay, um, I knew one hundred percent that I was going to have a bad landing. And it's like I already committed to the trick. If I had turned a different way, it might have been a different injury or a worse injury. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, Achilles uh, rupture is still a bad injury, but it might have been something worse. I don't know. Oh, man. And so like into the ER, into the MRI right away type of situation? No, not even because I was on the cruise ship. So normally that you do like a training. Oh, yeah, yeah. Normally you do a training at the studio in uh, Miami. They have their own training facility. And so this all happened while we were out at sea. And... Oh, so man. it was just one of those things like it was weird because I felt a burning sensation, 
But that didn't hurt as much as knowing how much time I was going to have to spend rehabbing and out of work. And so oh that's God. really what Ooh. twisted my mind was my teammates or my, my uh, coworkers, they carried me off the trampoline and they put me in a wheelchair and I felt this uh, sensation of me like I was going to throw up. And so I asked someone, I was like, hey, can you just grab a trash can or something for me? And, it, and again, and I, and, I, and I say this again, it wasn't from the pain. It was from the frustration of getting an injury. And this was, I think, the second or third day of training. So we had just gotten there. Oh, man. From uh, just being scared of, of not knowing what, what kind of uh, serious injury it was. I knew what it was. But, you know, until you get the MRI, the x-ray, you don't actually know. But this was, we were out at sea. And so I ended up seeing the on-call doctor that was there because they, they don't have any kind of the, the machines or anything like that on board. Um, I had to wait until we uh, docked in the next. Okay. And then once I got back to Miami, then I went to see the doctor, had to do the MRI, the x-ray. And then the MRI mm-hmm. came back. And that's when the doctor told me, he was like, yeah, you ruptured your Achilles and you fractured uh, your ankle. Man. So the fracture has to be solved first, right? So they, right? How does that work? I don't, I'm not really sure why he chose uh, to put a screw into that fracture because I, I feel like it might have... I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I have no idea. I imagine it would have healed a little bit better without the screw. But for whatever reason, when he okay. put the screw in, it just wasn't healing at all. And so essentially, I still had a fracture for you know many years after that. The fracture just n- never healed with that screw in there. Oh. So that seemed like it was an easy fix, like an easy solution. Oh, we have a screw. Drill it into the fracture and he'll be solid. No problem. The The main issue and the challenge was the Achilles, which it's the Achilles didn't give me any problems whatsoever. It was the fracture uh, later on down the road, you know? Oh, and how long did the PT on the, on the Achilles? What was that like? Uh, I believe it was about uh, seven months with my Achilles. Okay. Um, and it was hard for me because, you know, you see, you watch all kinds of movies and TV shows and, you know, you watch sports and you see these athletes working with these high level trainers, like trying to get them back to the tip top shape. And, and so I assumed Uh in my head, I was like, okay, no problem, whatever. They did the surgery, the hard parts over. Now I go back now I go to physical therapy. And so I assumed I get to this facility. I'm going to see these, you know, uh, these physical therapists and I know they work with athletes and all kinds of stuff. And so I was like, okay, we're going to get to work. Like, let's do it. It ends up being the Uh opposite actually. So I, I got there and it was super, super turtle race. I, I use that because it was super slow. Oh, like geriatric. Yes, it, was, it was a turtle race. And Ooh. it was like, okay, we're going to, we're just going to rub, we're going to massage your Achilles for a little bit. We don't want to do too much to aggravate it. Okay. I get that point. That's fine. But I feel like I got to a certain point in my therapy where I had to push myself. Essentially, they gave me a worksheet and it listed my exercises. Mm-hmm. And so I'd basically just go down that worksheet. I basically would up it myself instead of doing three reps of 10. Right. I do four or five reps of 10. Man, that sucks. I had, I had like really aggressive physical therapy. I wish I would have had Because I, I, I was at Cedar sinai and they were, I mean, they were exactly what okay. you're talking about. Like yeah. real sports, you know, you see this type of physical therapy. They were having, they had me, my, my person had me in point shoes and in heels in nice. Great. the gym. By the end, because they were so serious about getting me back to where I was in, you know. This is what I'm talking before. about. Yeah. So, yeah, that is yeah. so frustrating. Oh, my God. But in terms of being 
involved with a high level athlete, that's where I felt uh, it was disappointing, you know? Yeah, I feel like um, your basic physical therapist in a basic town that works with regular people, their challenge is to get people to actually do the exercises. Right, right. Whereas for us, we're just like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I'll do it a hundred more times than you tell me to do it. Exactly, exactly. A thousand more times, yeah. you know? And, and um, it, it's been many years since then. How does, it, how does that ankle feel right now? The fracture never fused together. Uh, for whatever reason, the screw was hindering that. I'm not sure why. Because it never fused, fused together, the ligament or the muscle that's on the inside of my ankle, it was catching the screw. And so anytime, oh, sometimes I'd just be walking. Yeah, like, okay. It would just be the most simplest thing. I'd just be walking and that ligament or muscle that's there would catch and it would kind of just throw me off. And so I'd kind of like... Uh, not fall to my knees, but it was it was kind of like a like a stutter step. It was like, oh, oh, okay, okay, that's that that's definitely painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kept doing that for a while. Let's handle the situation. Let's get it removed. You know, and you know, I was lucky enough that uh, they covered everything. Uh, I was working for Cirque at this point. They covered everything, and um, you know, they removed the screw, and then you know, I was kind of back into that rehab mode again <laughs> for the second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the same thing. I had all my stuff removed and I don't know about you, but after I, it, it got pulled out and I looked at it, it's like in this like baggy and like crusty and bloody <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like legit from Home yeah. Depot. <laughs> like it just looks like they grabbed some screws from like yep. that aisle. It was just clunky. Mm-hmm. So I totally feel you on that because yeah, that was my experience. Except for like the geriatric PT, I did not have that. I'm very sorry. That that is frustrating. Yeah, and 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 it's not to say that they were bad physical therapists because I mean I think that they were doing what they were used to. What all that was like touring and being on these shows. Yeah, I mean touring was a lot of fun. Uh, I did an arena tour. It was called uh, Taruk the First Flight, and uh, I was part of the creation and everything. And um, they originally brought me out to. Uh, Montreal to do the workshop uh, several months before the show even started. And it was it was a fun process, you know, it was like you're just creating something new of a brand new show that was based, you know, based on the movie Avatar. Fast forwarding, uh, I ended up being on the tour with that show for two and a half years, I believe is what it was. Mm. Went to Australia and I did the first city. We were there for three weeks. And then that's when, um, you know, I decided like, OK, I'm, I'm still feeling a lot of pain in my ankle. And that's when I kind of had my second surgery. Oh, is that why you ended up leaving? Yes. Oh, I didn't remember that at all. I thought you just made a, you know, you were just like, okay, ready for something else. I didn't didn't know that. At that point, I think my contract was, was going, was ending at the end of that year. I believe I had my surgery. Obviously I came back home to Vegas, did my rehab and everything. And then that's when Sarah and I decided to, to move to Germany. Oh, that's when that happened. And then we did that, that contract in Germany. Yeah, so it was uh, 2018, I believe. You know, there was that whole time where Sarah was on uh, Radio City in New York, and mm-hmm. you were in Germany, and you guys had to spend months and months apart. And then she went back to Germany. You guys went to every European city on the weekends just to, like, take advantage of it. And so we had only been in Germany together for a few months before she went off and, and started her, her rehearsals for Radio City. Uh, we were doing long distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, it was, you know, it's tough, you know, of course. And you guys did Taruk. You guys did long distance during that. And it was long and distance that whole, yeah, that whole tour. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a long time. Christian, you're a tramp artist and then mostly rope. 
Yes. Those are two things that I do not do. I do not touch those things. <laughs> the show that we that Sarah and I did at SeaWorld, uh, Circular Merit, was a trampoline show. So it was nonstop trampoline, trampoline every day. It was something that was just a lot of fun for me. So, you know, it was, it was a new apparatus. Um, I think it had just, no, nah, because Lanuba had been around for a while. And they basically were the first ones to introduce trampoline. It's one of those things that I never competed trampoline. I was never a competitive gymnast or competitive uh, trampolinist or anything like that. It was just one of those things that I had. Um, I knew some guys that worked at Disney. They were, you know, a, Olympic uh, qualifying uh, gymnasts and they were good friends of mine. And um, they taught me a lot. But the more I got into it, that's kind of when I started to study a little bit more just on myself, working on lines, working on technique, mm -hmm. uh, just doing different things, obviously, to improve uh, so I can be better at this craft, you know, so I can be better at this apparatus. I just, there's something about trampoline, um, just the feeling of floating as you bounce. I don't know. It's just, it's, mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something about it. It's, it's like, it's a different, it's a different type of flight Yeah, exactly. than, exactly. than, than aerial. And, um, what would you say is the hardest part about it? I feel like just consistency with like making sure you're staying in the center of the trampoline. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, because it's one of those things where every, you know, a lot of trampolines have different sizes. And the one that I was using at the time was a seven foot by 14 foot uh, trampoline. So it's like, you know, you had a little bit of room for a mistake. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the goal was to stay on that X and that box because that's basically the sweet spot. Anywhere else, you, you can throw you to the left, right, front, back. You know, and that's kind of where it, when it gets a little sketchy. And that's probably the most difficult part about it is just keeping your bounce in place, basically. Okay. Is that just precision and core strength? I would definitely say precision. I mean, it's just... It, like I'm trying to imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely takes a lot of technique um, learning. And again, I, I, I reiterate that I'm not a trampolinist, but this is just based on, um, what I've seen in competitions, what I've seen in the Olympics and based on me training it myself, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of precision and it's a lot of technique learning how to position your body. If you're slightly to the left, how to adjust mm. and move, mm -hmm. Okay, you know, forward, back, you know, the slightest adjustment, the slightest adjustment can send you in the, in the opposite direction. So it's like, that's why you have to be, you know, constantly aware of where exactly you are, where exactly you are on the trampoline. Mm. You know, there's a bunch of like YouTube videos of teenagers like doing crazy stuff on like outdoor trampolines. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm like, are they really good or are they just like gonna, are they just doing risky stuff and it's kind of stupid? I mean, kind of both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really good and they're doing risky stuff because they're also using like the, the kind of trampolines that you, that you can find at Walmart. Yeah, or at, um, Costco. The, 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 yeah, the black bed circular trampolines. And those don't have a lot of bounce. So, you know, what I've seen on YouTube is, you know, you have three or four kids double bouncing yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Or, they're giving or you like extra, five or six. Yeah, they're giving you extra power so you can get higher so that you can, <laughs> you can do more, more skills in the air. But I only bounced on one of those as I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, just to kind of play around. It was never to really try <laughs> and, and make a career out of bouncing, you know, on a trampoline. It was never those black bed trampolines that you get from Walmart. It was always the, the, uh, like, I, I guess I'll say the Olympic style right, like trampolines a, like a, that they have at the, at the gym. Gyms. Right. Yeah. With real gym yeah. equipment. <laughs> exactly. And then, <laughs> and then with rope, the, the big difference, there's two big differences with rope and silks for me. Any, anytime I see people really doing momentum stuff on silks, I feel like it's borrowed from rope. I feel like it's coming from rope. And then the, the releases. 
And people are doing releases on silks nowadays, but again, they're borrowing it from rope. It's not like it, it's originating from silks. I know I have seen a lot of dynamic movement on silks. Sarah does a lot of dynamic, not 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 like the the swings and the temples and the beats, but she just does a lot of dynamic drops. And I have seen a lot of people do dynamic tempos and beats and stuff on silks, which it's not something that I would particularly feel comfortable doing. Not that I wouldn't feel comfortable. It's just there's more, there's less room for error when you're on a silk. Oh yeah. Than when you are on a rope. I mean, you're, th- you know these mean? people are going for sometimes just a free grip, and the thing is, the fabric can open up. Exactly. And you're just like I, I literally, and I know a lot of these people who are doing it are probably over a over a pit with foam. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I get that if they fall, it's no no big deal. Yeah. So when you're doing all this momentum stuff and releases, is it that you really? found this apparatus and you just love it? Or was it like, okay, this is apparatus is going to be the best for my career when it comes to jobs? Honestly, it was kind of both. Okay. And, and I would say Sarah played a big part in that because she was my first uh, aerial coach. Well, you're a lucky man as, as I'm a lucky girl. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who are you telling? I know this. <laughs> that baddest bitch in the game, as we like That's to call her. That's what I'm her. trying to tell everybody. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She is. Um, she is. She really, she really is. is. She really is. And I stand by that 100%. Uh, she was, yeah, she was my first aerial coach. So I think originally I wanted to train straps because I was like, oh, this, you know, uh, this would be a, a, a cool apparatus to learn because, you know, it involves a lot of strength and a lot of beats, a lot of momentum. And uh, so like, let's try that. And I think I tried straps a few times, didn't like it. And I think I also, I enjoyed having shoulders attached to my body and so i'm <laughs> exaggerating obviously i'm exaggerating because i know there's a lot of people oh that do straps that they so still have funny. shoulders but for me personally because I'm, I'm not flexible so much in my shoulders not really flexible so much anywhere um i can fake it but especially not in my shoulders my shoulders are super tight and so you know i valued my shoulders so i said you know what <laughs> straps is not for me well if you've let's, got tight shoulders straps is hard anyway i mean it's like exactly. that's all you do you just dislocate and dislocate and dislocate Exactly. And that was not my thing. And maybe like for gymnasts that did rings, um, you know, growing up doing rings and, and competing artistic gymnastics, then yeah, that that's the perfect, you know, if you're going to transition to a circus apparatus, that's probably one of, one of the better apparatuses to transition to because it's similar uh, to doing rings for the men's artistic gymnastics. But for me, it was, it was not my thing. So I ended up uh, choosing rope for whatever reason. And I knew Sarah, Sarah was an aerialist and a coach. So I think once I kind of picked it up and when she started showing me things, I was addicted. I was like, okay, I need to learn more. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. I need to do my research. And she taught me a bunch of stuff, transitions, skills, technique, all kinds of things. And, uh, it was just, I just got so addicted that I just kind of, I, I like just dove right in and, uh, it became this thing of like, okay, I want to be an aerialist. So now I'm transitioning from not, I wouldn't say transitioning from, I'm also, I'm kind of just adding to my arsenal of, of skills and apparatuses that this specific apparatus, which was rope, you know, became one of those things where there weren't a lot of male rope artists in the industry. And so it was one of those things where it was advantageous for me to keep doing this apparatus or this discipline to get more jobs. Yeah, I feel like there must be tons of men that do straps. Oh my goodness. It was, it's nonstop it straps. Be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I see straps. I see straps all over the place. Like that's it. It was this trend for a while. I mean, it's probably still a trend. I don't know, 
But I remember going to the gym and I'd see it was, I remember this specifically going to the gym to train rope and I saw five straps lined up and it was everyone just training straps. And I was the only male rope artist training rope, you know? So I was kind of like, I guess I picked the right apparatus. Yeah. Yeah. And then for this, for this discipline, what is the, what is the most fun and what's the hardest? What's the biggest challenge? The most fun for me is definitely doing releases. Okay. Um, just coming from doing trampoline and just an acrobatics uh, background, it was definitely doing the releases because it's, it's this adrenaline rush of you completely release the rope and then you catch it again. And it was one of those things, another one of those things that I just got addicted to like right away. And I would say for me, that's definitely the most fun. I know some people like just, you know, movement and transitions and stuff. Uh, but for me, it was definitely those releases. And the hardest thing I think for me, for someone that's not flexible, um, it's trying to find positions that fit my body type. Mm, got it. Because I'm I'm six foot and my legs, they're super long. And I mean, that's basically my whole entire body are my legs, you know? And so it's just trying to find different positions that suit my body so that I can kind of fake being flexible, if you will, or just have a position that that's uh, suitable for me so that it looks good on stage for an audience, you know? And, and that's definitely the biggest challenge. Yeah. That's like me being on a Lyra because my back isn't flexible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I cover it up with like hair whips and like dynamic, right. you know, arms. <laughs> I'm just doing everything I right, can to right. cover up for the fact that my back isn't that bendy. So yep. I think everybody's got that one, you know, that one thing. Um, exactly. Were you in the air for that, Taruk, at all? Were you doing aerial? Or was it just acrobatics on that contract? I was uh, one of the featured characters, huh. uh, but I was a backup for Rope because as that featured character, Rope was in the was the very first number of the show. Oh, okay. Maybe about a year in that I actually was able to do Rope on a once-a-week basis. And that was after talking to the AD and being like, hey, like, look, this is my main discipline. Like... I'd really love to perform it in the show. Like, can we make this happen if, you know, if I have a backup for uh, that character role in the beginning of the show? I came to see you in that show when you visited LA, I think. Oh, no, wait, you came with a bunch of friends, right? It was like... Yeah, yeah. One of my students, she was so excited to meet you. That's right. That's right. I do remember this. I would assume, like, you have this tail on, you have this costume because you are one of the blue characters from Avatar. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if you have gloves on, but I cannot imagine it's easy to do rope with that costume on. No, it wasn't. The gloves were the hardest part about doing. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Like, how did you the do costume, that? The costume actually it didn't bother me. It was mostly the gloves, um, obviously, because we're all used to using okay. our bare hands, whether it be with like of rosin course. or spray rosin or the firm grip. Like, I mean, you kind of got used to it, but even still, like there was a time I believe I was doing rope and uh, one of the fingers from my glove got caught. And it was towards the end of the rope number where you're supposed to do like some kind of slack drop. You come down, the axe finishes, lights go out, whatever they do, you know, they do the transition. Mm-hmm. My hand just got stuck and there was nothing I can do because it was just stuck. I ended up somehow wrapping right. uh, my glove in there. And so I kind of just stayed there in the position until the winch brought me down, uh, take my hand out, take my glove out and went about the show. And then I also remember one time getting my hand stuck again. And at that point I was like, this is not going to happen for a second time. I just ripped my hand out and I ripped the glove and it was just, you know, fingers out in the air. 
I kind of killed the magic, but <laughs> but it's like, you know, you have <laughs> this light skin yeah. guy and then you have everybody that's dressed in blue and then now you see now you see random uh random light skin go just kind of flying <laughs> through the air. So I mean, it happens. I would totally have gotten that tail caught in a slack drop. Like 100% would have happened. Yeah, I mean it's happened and people have ripped tails before and you know, we were going through t- at first we were going through tails like once <laughs> Every two or three days or or once every week. And it was like a brand new tail, a brand new tail, because it just kept getting caught. It kept getting ripped off. Someone would step on it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So it was it was definitely a lot to get used to. So now you guys are opening back up. You've got you've got a baby at home. Yes, ma'am. I love it. Yeah. So you guys are going to go through all the stages. Um, So to close out, tell me. Tell me if you have any any dad advice for for the men out there it's hard to it's hard to give advice on something like that because for me right off the bat coming from a hispanic family i'm very close to my family uh especially the women in my family i was very close to my grandmother you know extremely close to my mom and my sister and you know i guess you can call me mama's boy i'm fine with that i'm not mad i'm not mad at that i, I will take that 100 i'm a mama's boy yes ma'am thank you <laughs> Um, (laughs) and so because being so close to the women in my family, I just felt like my heart just kind of exploded with so much love Mm -hmm. and adoration for both Sarah and the baby. And it was one of those things that, you know, you don't really realize for me personally, I didn't really realize what I was missing until I met my daughter. Mm. And it was one of those things that I told Sarah, I was like, like I was fully prepared to really dive into a lot of the responsibility um, because I knew I felt like she needed a lot of support. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say needed. I felt like she deserved a lot of support mm-hmm. from me as her partner, uh, helping with whatever it be, even, even before she had the baby, it was just, I wanted to make sure she was comfortable and she was in a good place physically and mentally to have a child during a pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> cause we're all, everybody's going through it, especially during this pandemic. Yep. And so it was one of those things that I really wanted to focus on making sure she was good. And, you know, cause I know a lot of women deal with, uh, postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, you never know, you know, there's so much, there's so much hormones going through a woman's body when she's pregnant. And so it's like, I don't know what that feels like to, to just have a bunch of hormones going through my body. And then so many things happening at once being at the hospital, you know, during a pandemic, no one has a job. Like, there's just so much going on mm-hmm. that I was like, I have to do whatever it is that I can to make my wife comfortable to being now where she's seven and a half months. Uh, Zadiana is seven and a half months old. Um, I think just having that foundation and that structure of 100%, no, not even 100%, 500% support right off the bat. I think it really, it truly helped evolve uh, our relationship, mine and Sarah's relationship and with my daughter as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Basically I was like, look, just feed her and I'll take care of the rest. (laughs) Like I'll put her to sleep. I'll burp her. I'll change her diapers. I'll do whatever it is. I'll play with her. It was, it was just a bonding moment because I don't get that bonding moment where, you know, uh, to breastfeed a child. And so all these other things that I was doing for her, it just felt good for me as well. Right. Because that was a moment for me to bond with my daughter as well. You know, because I, I, I'd get her up at night. I'd change her. Then I'd play with her in the morning. You know, I'd take her during the day. We play, you know, just all, all kinds of things for me to bond with her as much as possible because I didn't have that opportunity to 
uh, breastfeed her. Yeah, that automatic breastfeeding bond that, exactly, that we have. Exactly. So Christian, we talked about so much of you guys' life, and I've kind of been there to see most of it since, you know, you guys met. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I have some amazing, uh, some really fun memories of Christian. So one of my favorite memories of you. All right. We were in Barcelona at Leslie's wedding, was it? Christian's fucking hilarious. So (laughs) (laughs) you just had me laughing. And then the the actual memory, we were sitting, we, we were staying in a bed and breakfast. It was not a big hotel. We had to like go to like five different places to even get any food after the wedding. Oh man. That, that was the problem. Remember? Like we were hungry. <laughs> and it was for some reason everything was closed. Everything was why. closed. And it's it, like you think of Europe. It's like it's open all night. It's like no, it wasn't open all night. Yeah, and it was a party town. It was a party town. Oh my goodness! So we had so much trouble finding food, and we ended up at one of these pl- places that like just scoops some beans and rice into a styrofoam <laughs> box and like slaps it together, and you know. And then we're sitting in this bed and breakfast, like super quiet because everybody's sleeping. We're just munching on this terrible food. Oh my goodness. And Christian's just cracking jokes. I don't know what you're saying. No, but here, here's the <laughs> thing. It wasn't, we were in the lobby of one of the hotels. Oh, that's right. We're in the lobby. Okay. And it was, it was completely dark. Not completely dark. There was some there was like light one coming light. from the outside, but there was nobody there. They were, they had tables for whatever reason they had tables in the lobby. And so we just we came to those breakfast tables because there was nowhere else to sit. Like, we're not going to sit out on, you know, on the curb. I mean, I guess we kind of, I kind of did that back, back in the ghetto when growing <laughs> up, you know, you, you eat a sandwich on the corner yeah. or whatever, or like the little curb or on your driveway. But it was like, look, we're in Spain. You know what I mean? We're, we're all wearing nice suits and nice yeah. dresses. And we're like, you know, we're, we're out here, you know, we're out here. So it ended up being that we're just kind of like, it's almost like essentially like we're in the corner in the back, like just in the dark kind of eating these these rice and bean burritos. Yeah, like having like a 7-Eleven moment. Exactly. It was one of those exactly. nights where you weren't drunk anymore, but you were past, like you had drank and then there was hours go by. So your buzz is gone, but you're still slightly that feeling. Yeah, I mean, I didn't drink, but yes, I get what oh, you're saying. Oh, you didn't drink. Okay, so, but we had been- <laughs> no, I don't drink. So. We had been drinking, I think it was an afternoon wedding and it was like a three-hour cocktail hour. Oh, remember? Yeah, for sure. I remember and then, yeah. and then the, the the dinner happened, and then the night went on, and you were just cracking me up. And I think that's what it was. It might have <laughs> been just a little bit of, of delusional jokes. Like I don't know. It was just we were. I feel like we were all so delusional. That's like we were all just so tired and so hungry. <laughs> that's kind of just things were just coming out of my mouth, and I I don't even know. Like I just I. <laughs> And I joke a lot with Sarah, you know, she doesn't find all my jokes funny, but you know, that's okay. That's, that's part of being in a relationship. Well, and I'm not, I don't spend tons of time with you. Like we're like our French circles are adjacent all the time. Like I just saw Christian and, and Sarah because we were in Vegas for like two seconds and I had planned with them to go to our friend's pool, and I was like five hours late because <laughs> <laughs> five hours tried thirty hours. Well, I was I mean, late because my child didn't sleep, and you know I'm texting them. It's not like I didn't let them know. But first thing Christian says to me was like, "What did you say?" You're like, "Glad I haven't been waiting here for ten hours." <laughs> it was good to see everybody. You know, been waiting around for like six hours, but we're gonna head out. Thanks for coming. <laughs> this is the first words he says to me. I hadn't seen him in like a year and a half. So, uh, yeah, that's our, that's our friend group, man. But as you know, I have, it's, it's an acquired, my, 
my comedy or my my personality it's an acquired taste because it's like i can't i can't just do that with someone that i just met right off the bat because i'll be like what i don't get it it's not funny you know it has to be <laughs> somebody it has to be someone that i've known yeah, for a little bit yeah. you know they understand you know they understand my jokes and i just can't do that with random people because i mean although i do do that sometimes with random people but you know it's not so much for for their laughter, it's more so for me and for Sarah because she thinks it's hilarious whenever I just say random things to people. So, you know, it's just it's just kind of fun. You got to keep it light, you guys. Uh, yeah. No, you crack me up every single time I see you. It doesn't matter what's happening. You make me laugh. It's awesome. Um, so this was so great. I feel like um, I feel like the listeners out there, I, I want to say most of my listeners are women. And I feel okay. like it might be great for them to hear from a dad. And I think we should probably do this again sometime yeah, when your child's yeah, I mean, in like a different, you know, like, and maybe a toddler phase. Oh, when she's talking and she's going to be speaking two languages, Spanish and English. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I can't do that for my child. I got one. It's called American. <laughs> it is. I wish. I wish I was that multicultural and actually That's okay. knew how to speak I mean, my language. Learn, you, she could always learn another language. It doesn't have to be directly from. I mean, you know, uh, well, the, if it's Chinese, parents. Chinese is so fucking hard. That's true. Chinese I'm not gonna lie. Hard. I mean, not to say that I've tried to learn it, but just based on what people have told me, it's pretty difficult. It's a yeah. hard language, but I'm not good at languages anyway. But yeah, she's gonna be. I, I I see videos of you speaking Spanish to her, and you guys doing your little dances on the video. It's pretty cute. <laughs> it's pretty cute. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important just to just to have fun with her. You know, I want I want her to know that she grew up in in a loving family, and you know, in a relationship that you know we both mean a lot to each other. So it's like to see her laugh. And for her to see us laugh, you know what I mean? I think that I think that's really important in, in, in a family, you know what I mean? Just to see laughter and happiness. And I think, you know, from there, we just, you know, keep it moving forward. Thanks so much to Christian for being here on the pod with me today. You can find him on Instagram at acro underscore Sanchez. And you'll be able to see him do some amazing feats on rope. If you go to my show notes, I've actually got a new gift for you guys. Go ahead and click there. I have curated list of goodies. So basically, I went through Amazon and I picked the aerial gear that I use. And I put it all in one really easy list. If you're looking for a span set or if you're looking for the right pair of tights, if you're looking for the right tape for your Lyra or... You know, the books that I like as references, then you'll find them there. They're all my picks. So go to the show notes and uh, check that out. Thanks so much to Asa Watkins for music and post-production. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcast, it really helps our community find this podcast. And thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. I gotta figure out when, which one's dropping on Sunday and which one's dropping on the next Sunday. But I would really love for you to dig up a picture of you in these cornrows. Oh man, I, I mean, I have it on my phone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, can, like, <laughs> can I use that just on my story some, somewhere? Because not only do I want to use it, I want to see it. Do you want viewers or do you want to scare them away? Like, I mean, <laughs> no, you tell me. Cause... No, let's go in for the real stuff. You know, so like because every when people saw me with those cornrows, they thought I was straight from the hood. I mean. 
I I wasn't straight from the hood. Like when I got to like you just you know, look hard. And, I what? You just look hard, like super hard <laughs> core. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, that's what Sarah says. She was like, "Look, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was I was a little frightened by by your appearance. So, you know what? I get it all the time. You know, it's just that's just how well. It you is. do have a very striking look. You're tall. You're dark. Like depending on what your hair is doing. Yeah, I can see that. This is true. This is true. I'm not that dark anymore, but yeah. Um, yeah, I would love for you to unearth that photo for me.